morning on this beautiful Tuesday, and welcome to Pod Be With You. That's right. We're early this <laughs> we week. We are early this week, absolutely. Uh, Lent gets that way really fast. It gets busier each year, it seems like. I'm Paige, by the way, uh, from the Congregational Church of Batavia. <laughs> Hi, Paige. I'm Aaron from the First <laughs> Congregational Church of Dundee. And yeah, very quickly, Lent turns into up. the exceptions to a lot of different rules. Oh, yeah. I think we find it, at least this phase of it, pretty energizing. You yeah. talk last week about how Lent is truly a journey for you every year filled with, and you've come to, as cliche as it sounds, you have come to expect the unexpected, Mm -hmm. which is kind of strange to just be moving through waiting for what the unexpected thing will be. Might be, but Trying to work the plan, but trying to stay awake and aware and adaptable, which sounds like living and it sounds like faith. And that's what we're trying to do. But Knowing how this week is going to go, we're here early on a Tuesday. And yeah. It is lovely. It is gorgeous out already. Been some spring-like couple days oh, yeah. here. I'll take it. Time of year to be patient, at yes. least for me, mm-hmm. to be patient because I, I I have a couple days of it and then all of a sudden I'm ready to just skip till May. Yeah. And I, I think we've skipped till May, realizing we have two months of that of in weird between in, to go. intermittent whatever That's that we it. get. Yep. As luck would have it. We are both preaching from the same scripture this second week in Lent. Exactly. And it's a great one. It's one of those classic stories. Again, John has a lot of these kind of classic moments where Jesus is interacting with people. And this is one of those. It's the story of Nicodemus's midnight visit to Jesus. And it is one of those stories, I think, full of sort of greatest hits lines where you say, oh, that's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. But I think if you tell a lot of folks, maybe this isn't true for you, dear listener, but for a lot of folks, if you say, tell me the story of Nicodemus, I don't know, that would feel like a weird pull. Is it like Zacchaeus? Is it the, which one? It's There's a lot of different stories of Jesus. Which one is this? But then we hear the story. And we're like, oh yeah, that one. Oh, that's in that? Oh, that's in there too? Yeah. Um, We are going to read through this passage and kind of, commentate as we go through break it up a little bit because it is relatively long again not nearly as long as some of the other passages uh the lectionary gives us throughout the month of uh march border you know we complain about sometimes how the lectionary uh gives us really short excerpted (laughs) out of context passages to preach on yeah well the lectionary is getting its revenge yes the revenge of the lectionary yep some 41 verses yeah Yeah, we're reading a a short chapter yeah we've got letters from paul that are shorter than some of the passages not quite (laughs) um so this is john 3 1 through 17 let's start here now there was a pharisee named nicodemus a leader of the jews all right, couple words of context. Let's jump right in. Yeah. The Pharisees, let's remember, even though they have sometimes in our common religious imagination are seen as the bad guys, they are not no. necessarily. Yeah. Or even corrupt, hypocritical, awful, you know, these kinds of it that's that's not certainly not universally true no. and probably not even generally true. No. Widely respected, widely seen as very faithful, very pious, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily those who are always out to get Jesus, certainly not all the time. This is one, this is Nicodemus though, in fact, seems to be 
one of those, as we'll see in a moment, coming to see Jesus out of genuine, sincere curiosity. Yes, it does. It does appear that way. Um, that that he is he is genuine in his seeking. Um, it's interesting that he comes at night right? mm-hmm. because he doesn't. It you know um, a good point to 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 bring up is right before this. Mm. So at the beginning of chapter two, we had the wedding of Cana. And then immediately following that is Jesus clearing the temple. Right. And, um, and so uh, I guess it makes sense that Nicodemus would come at night because he's ticked off. Jesus has ticked off some of the powers <laughs> that be immediately. Yes. R- right out of the gate in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that cleansing of that temple happens closer to uh, Holy Week, is Holy Week, actually. And seems like one of those provocative, precipitating acts right. that catalyzes Holy Week and mm-hmm. that confrontation. But you're right, here. Here it happens right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. it comes at the beginning. And so it, it would be, for Nicodemus, a politically, socially risky thing Absolutely. for him to yep. sort of check and see what's going on here, but to see, be seen with this provocateur, rabble-rouser, whatever you yeah. want to... Exactly. This upstart religious leader who in the Gospel of John has not been doing this that long. No, this is right up, right out of the gate. So a leader of the Jews, and I like that word leader, it's it's fairly ambiguous because he was likely a leader in many different ways, not just a religious leader, but a political leader, social leader. Again, those distinctions weren't as clearly delineated as they would be here. So, So Nicodemus, he came to Jesus by night. And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. What I love about this is the plural. Yes. Um, Nicodemus is clearly coming on behalf of, unless he's using the royal we, and he might be. I don't know. I didn't know him. Maybe he's that kind of guy. <laughs> but um, there's a plural here which suggests that within the group of the Pharisees, there are a bunch of people, uh, a, a continuum of folks that are like, we, we kind of have some questions about this fellow. And it might be that Nicodemus is the one they chose to be the one to, to go and be the messenger. Mm. Um, but it, He's speaking on behalf of at least, maybe not all, but at least some. Yeah, at least some. Yeah. Who also want to know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's important to bear in mind as well, that there is within, again, that group of Pharisees that we often demonize as the bad guys, Mm. a group of people who are authentically, genuinely interested in what Jesus is up to. And they begin, well, let's back up a second. He came to Jesus by night for all those reasons, Mm -hmm. right? It maybe wasn't socially acceptable. There was risk. There was whatever it was. But also in the Gospel of John, we know that how the author composes this narrative plays with the contrasts of light and Mm -hmm. dark. And so we have Nicodemus here in the middle of the night coming to Jesus and leaving, as we see, not seeming to get it, not leaving transformed, not leaving, quote unquote, enlightened. In contrast, we have the woman who comes to meet him in the middle of the day at the 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 height at high noon mm-hmm. coming to see and she's the one who leaves enlightened, enlightened. yep um and so we have a big clue here narratively literarily <laughs> that uh we he is quite literally and figuratively in the dark yes but he begins as we said with we know that you're a teacher who has come from god no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of god and i don't think this is empty flattery it does seem as though he's presenting an opening this is how we are thinking about you right now yeah um and it seems obviously that there has been some discussion about this and that they've used the general logic of well if he's doing these things and we've seen him do these things these signs 
well, he's not doing them apart from God's power. Mm -hmm. So what is it that, what is it about you? What are, what is the scope of your ambition? What are like, what are we doing here? But we we do believe that you're from God and the power that you're using is from God. But what are we to make of this? So it's interesting that it isn't actually a question. It's a, it's a leading statement, right? Um, But there, there is seeking within it. There is something that, that Nicodemus is looking for, even though we don't have a question mark at the end of the sentence. There's very clearly trying to get a little bit more information out of Jesus. And um, it's kind of like the inner, viewer says uh has a statement no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of god talk about that yeah Yeah. it is it's a lot like that it's a lot like that yep and then jesus does yep jesus answered him very truly i tell you no one can see the kingdom of god without being born from above uh interesting note yes uh in the gospel of john um, Jesus doesn't talk about the kingdom of God all that much. That's a synoptic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, synoptic, of course, is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the, 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 the ones that all share the same sort of stories and general timeline uh, in common, whereas John is just doing his own, his own thing. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, and he, John doesn't talk about the kingdom of God very much. He, Jesus in John lives out the kingdom of God oh, certainly. very clearly. Everything is upside down and inside out and backwards and exactly what you would expect. But he doesn't talk about it very much. And this is only, I think, one of three places mm. in the entire gospel where he mentions the kingdom of God. And two of them are right here in this particular passage with mm. Nicodemus. That is an interesting note. Yeah, I just, was skeptical at first when you said it was going to be interesting, but it actually was. <laughs> You're right to be skeptical, yeah. <laughs> Still. No, that that is. Um, and so, yes, we have this kingdom of God language and then being born from above. Yeah. Right? And this is the classic hinge in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, born from above, and the word used for above can also in a different context be read as again. Yep. Right? So we have this, we are missing in our translation the word play, the double meaning, the layers of meaning, right? Above. Right verses again. And so we have to say this because then Nicodemus in his response betrays that he misunderstands. He takes the wrong meaning. Yep. It is meant to be born from above. He hears born Born again again. and says, Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Very clearly, Jesus is speaking about being born from above, born Mm -hmm. from a heavenly place, from Mm -hmm. the place of God, a second life. And Nicodemus takes the wrong meaning of the two, as I said, and questions how can we be born again? Of course, one of the great ironies in here is that of those two phrases, phrases being born above, from above and born again, born which again. one has taken off? Yeah, it's the born again one. The one that is clearly in the context of the story known as the misunderstanding. Yep. Yep. Make of that what you will. End of commentary. <laughs> we won't say any more. But Jesus talks to him about being born from above. And he says, how do you get this? Again, this is Nicodemus in the dark. Again, yep. not getting this. Jesus answered. So he tries to say it another way, right? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Um, multiple things here that I, I think are really interesting. Of course, spirit, pneuma, can be translated in a ton of different ways. It can be breath. It can be wind. It can be spirit. And so it 
it encompasses all of these things, right? Um, mm. When Jesus is talking about spirit, he's going back to the the very stories of Genesis, where the the breath of God breathed over the waters of creation, and God breathed into the nostrils of the earth man, and you know all, all these wonderful stories. So it's not just the spirit language that's here; it's that breath language. It's the very stuff of life. Um, and it's all that language at the same time. Uh, yeah, Just it's like all the of above that. and again, yep. here every time he says pneuma, mm-hmm. it seems as though he's meaning spirit sometimes, and he means wind sometimes, yep. and Nicodemus hears the wrong one, and, yep. but he is playing off this same thing, right? So the uh, what is born of the pneuma is pneuma. Don't be astonished that I said you must be born from above. The pneuma blows where it chooses, yep. right? The wind blows where it chooses, or the spirit blows where it chooses. Both are true. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It's such. Is he using the the wind uh, as a a metaphor for how God's spirit moves in ways that are out of our control but acts upon us, or is he literally saying the spirit is moving? Either way, it's it's right. But that's the um, and he says so. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it. You do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit or born of the wind or born of the breath of yep. God. Beautiful. It, it's this is really truly Pentecostal language, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and um, I'm I'm more surprised every time I read this that we don't kind of come back to this at Pentecost because it's that beautiful language which is very much that that you can't control the spirit and the spirit is at work and moving and uh, all of that beautiful language. I also love um, the very earthy language that's happening here. You Mm. can't be born without being born of the water and the waters of the womb are the, the thing that Mm. I think of. Yes. Um, And that really, uh, and this is the weird thing about John. He is at the same time, very, very earthy and very, very spiritual and able to wed those things together in really beautiful ways. All right. I mean, childbirth is the nitty gritty, painful work that needs to be done. And it's one of the most single, single most human and animal human yeah. experiences we have. Yes, exactly. It's dangerous. It's it. It brings you right on that cusp of life and death. And mm. and. Uh, I think Jesus is meaning to talk. I think a lot of times we look at this water language and we're like, oh, baptism. He's talking mm-hmm. about baptism. I'm not sure he is entirely. At least not only. Not only. Again, we, it's one of those yes and. We have to allow for him speaking about many things yeah. at the same time. Yeah. That's it. Uh, you mentioned Pentecost. And of course, in the Gospel of John, the Pentecost moment is within this gospel, not in the book of Acts of the Apostles. The Pentecostal yeah. moment is when Jesus appears in the locked room with the disciples, breathes on them yep. and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Spirit. Right? Yep. So th- we've got, you know, in God's breath, wind, spirit, yeah. water, life. Reminds me also of the prologue. When, yep. when the author is speaking about who Jesus would be. But to those who believed him, he, be- he gave power to become children, not of blood or of the will of flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Yep to be born of God and to become children of God. Here we have that, you know, so that motif has already been interest, introduced to us. Yep. And now here he, he is talking about becoming children of God, born from above, born from the place where God is, born of God's spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? (laughs) God bless his heart, right? He's the perfect foil. Yes. (laughs) Well, and I I think tone of voice is fascinating here. Yeah. Um, We could have him as the 
the pure foil, the straight man, the stooge, the the guy we all laugh at in this sort of uh, dramatic irony, we get it, but he doesn't kind of way. Um, and you could read this as just as disbelief as doubt, right? Yeah. This sort of how can these things be? This is impossible. What are you talking about? Or you could read it in a tone of voice with more wonder, with yeah. more awe. Yeah. Like how how do you know this? How how, how marvelous? Is this? How marvelous? Yeah. How is it even possible that these things are true? Yeah. Right. Yeah. How, again, we don't know. Right. But I think we import a lot when we choose even something as simple as tone of voice oh, yeah. for that question. Mm-hmm. How can these things be? Jesus answered him, speaking of tone of voice, is this a gentle nudge? Is this a rebuke? Is, is this, this frustration? Is this condescendence? Straight up sarcasm? Yeah. Right? Is he, because Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Yeah. It's a... This is a pretty strong rebuke, one way or another. Well, yeah. I, I, you don't have to believe that it's mean-spirited, but it is certainly straightforward, right? Again, it's more than just a polemic against Pharisees. I want to say that it is. But it I, is. I do think that it that you'd be you'd be justified, or at least it would be fair for us to read in some frustration. Yeah. With Jesus. Yeah. Some consternation. Some bemusement some sense of how you're supposed to be leading god's people how do you not get this yeah yeah um i also find it interesting that in these particular passages jesus flips back and forth between the plural and the singular again like Mm. sometimes he's speaking on behalf of a we sometimes he's speaking on behalf of an i Mm. and sometimes the you that he uses is either plural or singular too Mm. um and which we don't get in English because there's no way to. It's not a use all. Well, we get a we get a you all. We yeah, get, we get. There are some y'alls buried in here. There are some have, y'alls buried in here. And yeah. I wish, honestly, that I wish they translated it. Yeah. As, I wish they just put in you all. To yeah. Indicate when there was a plural. when there was a plural you. Yeah. Because yeah. that makes a big difference. It's it does. If I have told told you about earthly things and you don't, that's very different. If you say it, I've told I have told you all about earthly things and you all do not believe. That's very different. Then Nicodemus, you right. are missing the point. Mm-hmm. Those are different things entirely. And, and, and again, another way for us to be able to hear our story being told in here, that sometimes we miss it, mm. that we are Nicodemus too, um, and, and that you, that plural, can encompass us as well. It becomes sometimes very much just about Nicodemus and his journey and right. his fail, like Thomas and doubting Thomas. It becomes about him and his journey and don't be like him or something. And it's this is much broader. Yes, absolutely. What I hear you saying. I yes. think so. Yeah. So how can I? How can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? And now we get into some very this is so John-like <laughs> weirdness. Yes. Oh my goodness! This is like. This is like an album, and you get to the last couple songs on the album, and you're like, "Ooh, what? This is these are just the weird ones." Yeah, we usually skip because they just. This is when the band just like went off the rails and got experimental, and you're like, mm, "That's that's so true." I, oh my heavens, that's exactly right. Right? Yeah. And so yeah. as it is, he go. So no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Gosh, there's so much there to unpack. 
But here we go, because then real quick, we'll finish this, because here comes the single, the greatest hit. The greatest hit. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Okay. How many of us... I imagine many know John three sixteen for God so loved the world. How many of us know that the preceding verse is Jesus comparing himself to the God the sending him, comparing that to Moses lifting up the serpent in the a very obscure story. A very obscure story. So much so that it might bear a moment of so. Uh, well, you're, you're just the pastor for that. Go I'm for just, it. So, so Moses is with the people in the wilderness, um, and they've been traveling, and the Some people thousand, two thousand years before this. Yes, and they're complaining because that's what they do while they're in the wilderness. Grumbling. Yes. Murmuring. Mur- murmuring. That's love, exactly the yeah. word. They're murmuring. So they're they're complaining. They're complaining that they don't have enough water, so God provides water out of a rock. They complain that they don't have food, so God sends manna, this sort of bread-like substance that they can Flaky get with the do yeah then they complain they don't have meat so god sends quail and then after that they still complain and so we're told that god sent poisonous snakes into the camp to punish them that's a another podcast that's a that's a big leap yep but we're told that moses is told by god to create this brass serpent an idol almost right very weird after the golden calf debacle Yes. After the golden calf debacle, this brass serpent, and put it up on a pole, and anybody who looks at the brass serpent will be healed. So they have to look up and 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 actively um, train their gaze upward on this brass serpent, and they'll be healed. Now, there's a huge Jewish tradition about this that is really fascinating. Yes. Um, but a lot of this is based on... Um, Again, that sort of grumbling and murmuring and not being thankful for what you have and not recognizing the grace of God in your midst already. And I think that that's an interesting background foundation on which Jesus is kind of building up mm. this this story. So we get a little bit of a, a precursor a, uh, of his death, a little bit of foreshadowing of what's going to happen. Right. I mean, yeah, we have this lifting up a brass serpent on a pole. And we have Jesus' body lifted up yep. on the cross to be looked upon to be saved. Right. I mean, it's kind of an obscure pull. It's a really obscure pull. But it, and also, in some ways, fascinating, maybe troubling, but certainly fascinating theologically. Oh yeah. For Jesus to be connecting himself with that. Um, but again, we've got Jesus very clearly knowing what will be happen- what yep. will be happening to him. The Jesus of John is is nearly omnipotent Mm. he knows things that will happen in the future he's aware of the thoughts of other people around him um it it, he he again john has this really high christology Mm -hmm. and you can see it playing out here and so what you have but the point of this just as moses was given the serpent to be able to save the people and heal the people um very seldom, I think, is Jesus referred to as the serpent of God. But here, I mean, all sorts of metaphor. Jesus is lifted up to be that for us. Yes. And, and all of it is leading toward this reaffirmation of who God is to the world. Yeah. And I think, 
It's something that we cannot hear enough that it is the self-giving love of God for manifested in Jesus mm-hmm. for the good of the world, that having faith in him, giving your heart to him and everything that he is, is eternal life. So let's talk about eternal life. Yeah, let's talk about eternal it life. It is not just, I mean, I understand how easy it is to go from not perish but have eternal life makes us think linearly. Mm-hmm. We won't die. We'll live forever. And it becomes about living forever. Mm-hmm. But of course, the word eternal here is not just about linearly infinite days stretching out. It is about wholeness, completion, abundance, fullness of life. So the eternal is not just this line of life stretching out forever. It is about the up and down dimensions. Exactly. Right. Paul Paul Tillich. Oh, I'm going to pull out the Tillichmeister. Um, Paul Tillich talks about deep time instead yes. of like a linear time um, that stretched out on either side endlessly, but a deep time being fully authentically in the moment and having the abundance thereof, uh, being aware and being whole. And I think that's the other piece of the serpent story. What has happening there is we are being made whole. Mm. We are being healed. There is um, there is that very uh, compassionate side mm. of the story here. And in, in that moment, that deep time, that's where that happens. It's like when Jesus heals and he says, go, your faith has made you well. The other translation for well is whole. Yep. Your faith has made you whole. Yep. And there's a, a sense of health not being just about purity or even perfection, not being about purity, but about being wholeness, completion, growth. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, which I'll throw another word out at you. This and so much in this passage is wonderfully mystically incarnational. Yes. Right. This is about heaven and earth coming together. Yep. Right. This is the above and the below becoming one. Mm -hmm. Right. And Jesus in John would go on to say to pray for his disciples that they may be one. Hello, United Church of Christ motto. Right. That we would (laughs) be one the way that Jesus and the Father are Are one. one. And the Holy Spirit may dwell in them as the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus. Now it anoints the disciple. There is a unity and it's not just you get to live with us someday for in my dwelling house there are many <laughs> right someday it is about living in and through in almost this pauline mystical unity yes. it is no longer i who live but christ who lives within me the unity in christ that that was very seems to be very very real mm-hmm. that G, the high christology in, in many ways is incarnational it is about the yes. fullness of god yes revealed through Jesus Christ indwelling mm-hmm. this person, not just pointing to, but as we say, in him, the fullness of Christ was pleased to dwell or in him, the fullness of God, God was, pleased. was pleased to grow yep. right in Christ. So you have these things here. And so when Jesus talks about us participating in that life, it is not just infinite life stretching out forward. It is about, as you said, this deep time. The, the, about the heaven and earth coming together yeah. in the fullness of the present. Yes, there are dimensions uh, in that that are powerful. The other word I want to talk about here is believe. Mm. Um, because I think that's another one of those that doesn't translate especially well. Um, Agreed. And I, I'll let you have to take the first, <laughs> the first stab the first at it. The first salvo, oh, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Um, we, we tend to think, at least in 
you know, Western um, thought. Yeah. That belief is and uh, belief is something that you do with your head, right? Mm-hmm. You 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 give um, you give over to the fact that something is true. Yes. Um, yes, it's, it's sort of an intellectual assent, right? Where exactly. You, have, we, you believe in Santa Claus. You believe in, right, that there is this sense of it, it is something you do with your brain. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And that's not exactly what that word is. Um, I think you've said it before, and I, I like this. Another way to say it would be to, to faith something, to kind yeah. of put your trust and um, uh, into Jesus, in into Christ, and not just not just who he is, but what he's doing, the way he's living his life. We have to remember that this whole thing started with Nicodemus saying nobody could do these signs that you're doing mm. without there's action here. There's a way of living in the world that Jesus is embodying. Again, it's very incarnational, um, a way of living in the world that he is putting out there that we are to faith in and mm. follow after. So it's not just an intellectual assent that, yeah, Jesus is the son of God. But and I that, just believe that to be true really, really hard. Really, really hard. Yeah. With all of my might, it's something much more comprehensive, mm. I think. I think you're absolutely right. And so there's a sort of a double narrowing here, right? The word that they use is the word for faith, is my understanding. But in English, we have no verb for faith. No, we do As not. You said, we can't say we faith this, we faith that. We are currently faithing. And so without a verb, we translate that as believe. But believe seems conceptually to me to be a narrowing of faith. Yeah. And then even within believe, we've had a narrowing of the word believe because believe originally meant quite literally what you give your heart to. And it is not just about what your mind thinks, a concept that you agree with. So we've narrowed faith into believe, and we've narrowed believe into something my head agrees with. Yep. And both, I mean, even if you want to say believe is a beautiful word, because it is, it is also about what you've given your heart to, what you let lead you, mm-hmm. where your spiritual center of gravity is, yep. what you love, mm-hmm. right? This is... This is the language that is meant to be evoked here and not, I think, very unhelpfully at times narrowed into just agree with the idea that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and then you'll go to heaven. Right. Not to put too fine a point on it. No, but, but, but that's exactly it. Yeah. I, I can tell you stories from, uh, you know, working at the Christian Dude Ranch back in the day. And we would. This work. whole thing has been a setup for it you has to bring really that up been, again. Yeah, for me to be able to talk about the Christian Dude Ranch. And, and I'm here, here you go. for it. Yes. <laughs> I'm here for it. But um, we used to uh, be trained on how to bring people to Christ. And it was very much this sort of intellectual and say these words after me and it was a formulaic these are the things that you have to give your head to Mm. in order to and it yeah i mean you have your metrics you have your deliverables you have your right exactly you can have a q4 you know quarter over quarter great increase in the number of people you've gotten to say jesus christ is my i accept jesus christ yeah right exactly exactly and that's missing that's missing the point of what's going on here. I think the other thing that we fail to pay a lot of attention to is the very first part of John 3:16 is God so loved the world. And the world is not 
exclusive. The world in this language is comprehensive. The world, Mm. the people therein, all of them. Um, Another affirmation of goodness and love. Mm -hmm. Because there have been times in our spiritual history, in our stories, when God condemns the world and condemns the people and Mm -hmm. wipes it out and starts over with a remnant and and there's a lot of really horrible, awful, or at least troubling things. Mm -hmm. And this reaffirmation that the fundamental nature of God's relationship to the world is one of love, mm-hmm. of not just love, like affection, but self-giving mm-hmm. love, that this is a cosmos that God would die for. Mm-hmm. It, it is, you know, maybe a really dramatic way to put it, but I think also very much true. Yeah. Um, I, and I was reading, um, again, I was reading a Greek commentary and he mentioned that that word so mm. is not so much about uh, quantity, but in this way. I was just going to ask about that. Because For God I've heard loved this... the world in this way. Yes. And again, it's that it's that self-giving, uh, sacrificial, I love you more than I love myself kind mm. of love. Um, and this is parent to child yep. love. This is true love, mm-hmm. soulmate love. Yep. This is... Uh, your life is as important to me as my own, mm-hmm. or it, it, this is mutuality. This is right. Yep. Um, I don't want to go too giving tree with all of this, but well, no, we never want to do that. No, we don't <laughs> want to go there. But you're absolutely right. It is so easy to hear um, so much, right? God loved the world so much that He sent His Son to die, and there, there is part of that. Mm-hmm. But as you said, it is more. It is. It is more. This is how God loves the world. Yeah. Not this is how much God loves the world. They're both in there, but you're right. It is not just about quantity. It is about God loves the world in In, this manner. In this manner. In this, God is trying to model for us the way to love. Yeah. Right? So, and as Jesus would again go on to say in John, um, as the, you know, as you have loved me, he's praying to God the Father. As you have loved me, I have loved them. You have given them to me, and I have loved them mm-hmm. as you have loved me. Right? Yeah. There. This is non-transactional love. This is pay yep. it forward love. This is grateful. This is when we come to know how much we have been loved. Uh, to use some of the metaphors from last week in your weird and wonderful wedding at Cana story, <laughs> this is the abundant, overwhelm, overflowing grace of God, and we come to know how we have been loved, that is also not just how much we have been loved, but in what manner we have been loved, then our response is to love others, not just as much as God loves us, but in the same way that God has loved us. And that is forgiveness, healing, reconciliation, joy, abundance, uh, compassion, peace, harmony, like all of this that Jesus describes. And we know what it is and we know what it looks like. And that's where this is more than just a collection of greatest hits. It is also a perennial challenge to the the church and anybody who's going to be a follower of Jesus to say, yeah, this is not just hold up the sign at the basketball game, read this verse, and then you'll know what code words to say. Yeah, This This is is a challenging model for each of us to to hold in front of us and, and try to, to live in that manner. Almost like a serpent being lifted up on a pole in front of, Wait, that's weird. That's so weird. The, but you know what, though? I Again, here we are. <laughs> there we go. John 3, 
1 through 17, filled with some of the most so famous great. passages. Okay, so let's let's button this up uh, well, it, by saying uh, this is not the end of Nicodemus's story. No. If you had asked me years ago, not that many years ago, I forgot this. I hadn't connected with it. You and I talked about this a couple of years ago. Yeah, we I did. I think it was you who brought this to my attention. Like, this isn't the end of Nicodemus's story. If if I had put money on it a couple of years ago, I'll admit, I would have said, oof, poor Nicodemus shows up once in the story and this is the and this role is he not, gets. Yeah. But it's not. No. He shows up two more times. Yep. And uh, that was your prompt to say which ones oh, those are. So, no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> one is in chapter nine. Yes. Uh, where I'm just going to give you a chance to show off. To show so, off. Yeah, well, yeah. then I will. Please uh, do. One is in chapter nine where he actually defends Jesus against some criticisms from the other leaders of the faith. When they're ready to condemn him, yeah. he kind of steps up. And even if it's not a full-throated defense... It is advocating for him for fairness, for open-mindedness, yep. and say, hey, let's give this guy a chance to, yeah. To, yeah, exactly. And then to, he shows up after the crucifixion. He's one of those men who with takes... Joseph of Arimathea. With, yeah, with Joseph of Arimathea, who takes the body and puts it in the tomb and, 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 and is there taking care of him, which, again, is actually kind of a full-throated... You're there in public doing this thing. Well, that's it. From a risk he wasn't willing to take at the beginning, yep. let's go at night so nobody sees me. Yeah. He is now caring for Jesus' body mm-hmm. for this executed criminal in the eyes of many. And he is he is offering it, it, it's what an act of service and yeah. caretaking and love it is it is um that kind of love that 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 jesus mm. was talking about here mm. willing to put yourself at risk for another um that's what nicodemus does and so i would say that if even if he starts in darkness and leaves this particular chapter in darkness by the time we get to the end of that story he he is a believer in that sense. He's given himself over in some sort of way to mm. the life of Christ. And become a follower. Yeah. It, and maybe I'm just projecting, and again, maybe everybody knew this but me, but I f- have this sense that if you asked most folks, um, if they remembered that Nicodemus went from being the one who didn't understand and didn't believe, and ends up being someone who cares for Jesus' body and helps bury him, I, I doubt that many people would remember it. Yeah. Um, that what a, what a remarkable place for this story to go. Yeah. And so if we read only, be the, we're talking, I will say, we're, we're talking in our lens at, in Dundee about beginnings and endings. Right. And how many of our beginnings require an ending first. Yep. And how many of our endings while real and filled with grief and loss, are also making space for new beginnings. Mm-hmm. And how many are endings are, are actually beginnings? And how many are, you know, all of that. And I love the Nicodemus story yeah. for that. This, he's trying to make it a beginning, but then it feels like an ending, but it turns out it was a beginning. Yeah. And he's there at the end. It's, for Jesus, uh, yeah, that wasn't an end, right? And yeah. then, right, he's there for that ending. He thought he was there. He thinks he's there at a, here at a beginning, and he's not. And then he's there at what he thinks is an ending, and, and it's, it's not. not. Yep. I just, I, I love it's it. Brilliant, but writing. it's faithful. Yeah. 
I love it for um, how faithful he is to keep showing up, keep seeing. So Nicodemus for me also stands in for all of us who don't get it, but want to keep finding out. Yeah. And, and don't just get it immediately in a blinding flash of revelation. And this is yeah. just true forever in my one and done. It's also ironic, I think, that for those who uh, maybe theologically emphasize one moment of conversion, one moment of being born again and giving your heart over, that Nicodemus is in this story is a poster child for everybody who doesn't do that. Yep, who doesn't right? get it right off the bat. Who, right, who yep. has to grow into it, mm-hmm. who understands it incrementally and is willing to go on this journey and keep showing up and keep following yep. it, even when you don't understand yep. because you believe there's something good. All right, end of mini sermon slash rant. But I love this story for all those things. It's it's really fantastic um, and, and just utterly delightful um, when taken in again that larger and that's one of the things I also love about the stories of Jesus interacting with people in John and they're long right but they're long because they are they are John never used three words when, when he could use 40 yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> but they're also drawing out a journey right it's not it's not that half hour sitcom where suddenly everything is resolved um, a lot of these stories, even with the woman at the well, who at the end says, "Clearly, you are the light of the uh, the, the 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 living water, right? Yes. You are Messiah." Um, uh, even she has to work her way through it, and mm. there's a lot of conversation before that light comes on for her. And then we have these other stories too, where Jesus is is working with people in longer passages because it doesn't come immediately, and Jesus is taking the time. I I, I love it because it the, the the community of people in John are seekers. And some of them get it at different times than others, but they're all heading in the same direction. Mm. And all of it starts with a question, um, mm. which I think um, a lot of people in church are terrified of. We're, we're, we're afraid of the questions that come to us. Does that mean that I don't believe? Mm. No. Baked into this belief thing is the question. Yes. Well, and... You and Batavia, you're talking this Lent about stories. Yeah. And our own stories of faith Mm -hmm. and our own life stories. Yeah. And you have some incredible, you're going to meet some incredible characters, so to speak, in the stories from John ahead, whose stories will resemble our own or resonate with our own at times. And I... Like I was saying earlier, there's there's going to be tons of folks in our congregations who see some of themselves in this story. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I hope you all have found, if not yourself, in this story, at least (laughs) something good in this time. I really appreciate you being with us. We do. Yeah. We hope this is a blessed Lent for you. We'll be back with you next week. Who knows what time? Yeah, who knows? You know, which day of the week. It could be. But wherever this (laughs) finds you, be blessed by it, we hope. And be well, be good to one another. And we'll see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.